In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Eyes on November. Warnock votes with Joe Biden 95% of the time. Welcome to Political Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the podcast we want you to depend on for the most on-the-ground coverage of the 2022 election. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, with your other host, Patricia Murphy, and we are two of the political insiders here at the AJC. A reminder, if you're listening to us for the first time, please follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast, Patricia. It's been a very long week, and I was about to say this might be the first time in weeks that we weren't on the campaign trail, we weren't in our cars, we weren't in a hotel room, but <laughs> I'm here from my house, you're, you're there in your car. I'm in my car. <laughs> now, I'm actually outside of my daughter's class party, because today was the last day of school, and so I just snuck out to do a quick podcast, and then I'll go pick her up from her class party. So, yes, oh, this is, I'm multitasking. <laughs> I had no, my kids' okay. last th- party at school earlier, and we ate. Well, it's a chocolate. trampoline park, and I don't need that. I I don't know that I need to be on the oh. trampoline right this second. <laughs> Ours was at her kids' school, and I I was probably the only dad eating the ice cream sundays. Everyone else was being reserved, and I was like, no. Oh, that's was, why in the world would they? That's not a good choice on their part. Totally, and I totally totally revved up the kids. I was all playing high five games with them. Oh, the teacher is going to be so mad at me because they had to go back to school after that. Okay, coming up. We'll talk a little bit more about how the Georgia GOP is setting its sights race to November. But first, this tragedy, the the unspeakable tragedy that that happened in the elementary school shooting in Texas brought the issue of gun control front and center in the Georgia elections. Herschel Walker was asked about gun control legislation at his primary victory party on Tuesday night. Do you support new gun laws in the wake well, of this what Texas I like to do, What I like to do is see it and, uh, and everything and stuff. Then on Fox News Channel, Walker gave another response to gun control that has people scratching their heads. Cain kill Abel, you know, and uh, you know, and that's the problem that we have. And I said, what we need to do is look into how we can stop those things. You know, he talked about doing a disinformation. What about getting a department that can look at young men that's looking at uh, women that's looking at uh, just social media? What about doing that, looking into things like that, and we can stop that that way? But yet they want to just continue to talk about taking away your constitutional rights. And and I, I think there's more things we need to look into. This has been happening for years. And the way we stop it, by putting money into the mental health field, by putting money into uh, other departments rather than departments that want to take away your rights. Patricia, this is one of the reasons why Herschel Walker's campaign kept them out of the media spotlight for a long time. Because um, in some answers, he kind of reads talking points. Um, but answers like this, they're just indecipherable. 
Well, also, so the first answer, I would give most candidates a pass on getting kind of uh, have a camera in your face at your victory party yeah. about gun control. You're like, I, I don't I'm sorry. I, it was really loud in there. I, I could understand how somebody might not hear the question, might not want to answer it in that venue. But to go on Fox News and to not be prepared with a real answer um, in the wake of this tragedy where 19 elementary school children have been killed um, two days after and two days after you've won, um, to me is just inexplicable. I don't know how this has happened. And you're right. This is what Republicans were worried about. This is the kind of answer that is exactly what they feared. Uh, here's a serious issue at a critical time, and it's hard to follow even what he's trying to say, um, let alone once you sort through it. Uh, it makes no sense at all. Yeah, I was at my. I was. I was not watching Fox News when he gave the interview, but I got about six texts the moment he got off air about it. You know, and and then once the clips were out, got those clips. To, but look, there is an army of people watching this, and not just Democrats. There's still a lot of Republicans um, watching. Uh, you know, everything that Herschel Walker says, and a lot of concerned Republicans worried that look. Republicans, and we'll talk about this more. But Republicans have the wind at their back right now. They feel like. This is sort of their, in a sense, this is their race to lose, right? There's there's uh, Joe Biden's nosediving approval ratings, concerns about high energy prices and inflation. Republicans feel like this is one of their best pickup opportunities. Um, and yet Herschel Walker is this giant question mark, not just because of the blunders on the campaign trail like we just heard, but because of his past, because of his history. He is such an enigmatic, um, we, we just don't know what to expect from him as a candidate, which is making this... Um, all so much more unpredictable. Yeah. And we said this going into the primary that that uh, Republicans don't actually know who they have just made to be their nominee. They know that Herschel Walker has deep affection in this state, especially among conservatives, especially among football fans. I mean, for what that's worth. Um, but we have entered a totally new phase of this campaign and you can feel it. You can just feel it in the air. We have gotten past the popularity contest, to be frank. Um, and we have gotten into the point where uh, they have opened these events up. His campaign has opened it up to more reporters, as is appropriate. And now he's getting actual questions. And this is not a surprise question. This is not, a, this is not um, you know, uh, an ambush. This is where are you on gun safety um, after... There has been a mass shooting at an elementary school, um, and this is a candidate who was not prepared for an answer on that question. And um, what makes it especially troubling, and um, you alluded to this, is that he has his own history of uh, of legal problems with weapons, and he has described in mm -hmm. his own book playing Russian roulette. His um, ex-wife has described on ABC News um, the moment he held a gun to her head and threatened to blow her brains out. And so you just have a, a set of troubling questions. Um, and voters are very open-minded to answers if those answers are prepared and thought out. But that's not the case here. And I think they're going to have to really be uh, upping their game now that they're in this new phase where you where you have voters who are evaluating you on your positions and your fitness, not on your physical fitness. 
And we should note that Republicans, um, other Republicans had different, very different sort of response. I mean, Governor Brian Kemp, for instance, he noted all the steps his administration has done to bolster uh, school security, um, as as, law, as well as touting the fact that he signed a, a sweeping rollback in gun restrictions into law. Uh, Democrats, of course, condemned Republicans for A, for embracing that rollback of gun, gun regulations, and B, for not doing anything more in Washington um, to institute background checks, uh, red flag checks for people with mental health problems, and bans on the type of AR-15 assault-style weapon that the gunmen used uh, at the Texas Elementary School. Yeah, and there is a very specific um, conservative position on uh, gun regulations, and that is extremely well articulated by some Republicans in this state. And we can put Brian Kemp up there. Um, he has been very forthright about his position on guns. And anybody who wants to know how this governor feels about um, access to guns, gun restrictions, uh, can watch what he says and watch what he does. He's extremely um, uh, kind of anti-regulation. He signed into law with great fanfare um, the move to make it uh, unnecessary to have a license to carry a gun in Georgia. Um, and But that is at least a position that voters know about and voters can decide how they feel about. And they can put that into their pile of um, pieces of information as they evaluate him as a candidate in November. And that is not the case right now with Herschel Walker. And um, they're, again, they're just going to have to do a lot more to have answers to these questions because voters just deserve it. And we've gotten into the phase of the campaign where it's a whole different set of voters looking to hear from him and looking to understand where he is on these issues. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want some blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. And we're back to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, with your other host, Patricia Murphy. And we are two of the three political insiders at the AJC with our partner, Tia Mitchell, the Washington Correspondent, we think the Morning Jolt newsletter, which the three of us write every morning and every night, me in the night, you in the morning, Patricia, we think it sets the stakes and the agenda in Georgia politics, and you can get it in your inbox every morning. If you're a subscriber to the AJC, you can join our community right now, this instant, by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast and your first month of a limited digital access, just 99 cents, subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast help you know what's really going on in Georgia politics. And Patricia, our, our jolt, we are still continuing to unpack the election because it's an understatement right now to say that Governor Kemp just beat, just defeated, even just routed 
David Perdue. He humiliated David uh. Perdue. I mean, he beat him by 50 points. I mean, no one had that on their binger card, especially <laughs> David Perdue, who mocked a reporter for saying, you know, he would lose by 30 points. Well, 50, <laughs> the reporter <laughs> wasn't wrong. It ended up being 50 points. I think he guaranteed us it wasn't going to be 30 points. And he was right. It was 52. Exactly. Exactly. And the AJC headline stripped across the fold today was... Purdue unites GOP dash behind Kemp. So, you know, he always promised to unite the Republican Party. I don't think he thought it would be for his rival. That is kind of brutal to have that headline. Um, But I do want to give David Purdue credit. He said he would unite behind uh, Brian Kemp, and he did immediately, extremely early in the evening at 8.30. He came out and said, I have called Governor Kemp and congratulated him, and I will be supporting him in the morning. Um, Now, the problem with that is that David Purdue, you could see in that moment that David Purdue was really just the vessel of the grievances for a lot of these Trump supporters. He was not a person that these uh, Trump people were actually supporting for who he was. They were supporting him for his position opposing this governor and his position continuing to talk about false claims of the 2020 election. So once he stepped off the stage, he did not take those people with him. He did not take those people with him over to unite behind Governor Brian Kemp, at least not the people in that room. Now, I have spoken with a number of other Trump supporters, Purdue supporters, especially at my Bikers for Kemp, um, excuse me, my Bikers for Trump event. Uh, they, the people in that audience I spoke with one by one and said, would you vote for Brian Kemp? And they said, I would vote for anybody against Stacey Abrams. I don't even care who it is. And if it's Brian Kemp, that's fine. She can't be the governor. So I think we're going to get a mixed result out of this. But it was very clear that David Perdue's leadership uh, to get behind Kemp was not being taken to heart by the supporters who had come out um, to see him try and beat Kemp that evening. I think you're right, too, that David Perdue just became this avatar of just Trump, you know, of of pro-Trumpiness. before we before we move on to where you know the next phase in November, I I just I, I'm still I still mad at myself because I couldn't make it, but I still really wanted to make it to that bikers for 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 Purdue event to see the night. Sea Island <laughs> multi multi millionaire hanging out with a bunch of bikers uh, all rallying around Donald Trump. It was one of the last gasps of David Purdue's campaign. In hindsight, of course, you know now we can easily say he was going to get demolished. Um, at the time, you know, David Perdue's campaign had already scaled back its events and we're doing fringe events with fringe characters like like a far-right radio host. But Patricia, what was it like just to see David Perdue, this corporate executive who's used to hang out with Fortune 500 types in Sea Island, go to a biker rally in, in, in rural Georgia? It was wild. It was just totally wild because I just sat there and thought, is there any circumstance in the world in which David Perdue would be hanging out with a bunch of bikers on Harleys. I don't think so. (laughs) Other than um, this moment where they were in agreement about the 2020 election and they were in agreement about defeating Brian Kemp. Once he took that off the table, defeating Brian Kemp, I really don't see what else he and that group of voters have in common at this point. And I think that was always the trouble with his candidacy. He never expanded out past 
uh, that message uh, effectively. And he never expanded out past that group of voters really effectively. Um, but I mean, I will, I mean, I have to say the bikers for Trump were delightful. They were super nice. Um, I asked them lots of questions. They answered all of my questions. Um, they're very sincere in their thought. And I have thought a lot about this, that, you know, they've been told that the election was stolen by a man that they trust, who is Donald Trump. And so um, over and over and over again. And so they are really the true believers. And they really do believe in their heart that this election, that that last election was stolen. Um, that has been disproven over and over and over again. But as long as Donald Trump is telling them that that's not so, they're just not going to believe it. And all along, when David Perdue was saying we need to um, uh, defeat Brian Kemp and unite the Republican Party, mm -hmm. the one thing it needed was for Donald Trump to get behind Brian Kemp to unite the Republican Party. And he still hasn't done that. And nor am I staying awake at night thinking about whether he will do that because I don't expect that at all. And I don't think many of Kemp's uh, team expects that easier either. But look, with the Georgia primaries behind us, we're now into the next phase in the race for November, and Republicans are already setting their sights on President Joe Biden. And this is where I think it gets really interesting, Patricia, because um, in 2020 and 2021, during the runoffs, we heard Republicans just trying every way they could to say that Raphael Warnock was this radical liberal. I mean, at the at the sole debate between Kelly Leffler and Raphael Warnock, that phrase was uttered, I don't know. 13, 14, 15 times. I can't remember the exact count, but it came up in every single ad. It seemed it was all over. Well, Republicans, they're trying to use a, a new tack right now. Um, let, let's listen. Raphael Warnock, his personal story, inspirational. His story as a senator is the problem. Warnock votes with Joe Biden 95% of the time. What does that mean? Warnock backs an energy tax that would push gas prices and utility bills even higher, and restrictions on U.S. production that would make us more dependent on foreign suppliers. Patricia, this is quite the strategy shift. Raphael Warnock is inspirational. He's a good guy. Uh, it's just his policies that are an issue right now. And I think that that demonstrates, at least for now, that Republicans know that, you know, it's hard to say that this guy, it's hard to paint him as this this shadowy figure with the ominous music that we're used to. Instead, they're going at a different tack and they want to make this race a referendum on Joe Biden, not on Pastor Raphael Warnock. Yes. And I think that this is a much smarter strategy than trying to demonize uh, the pastor of Ebenezer as a radical, liberal, socialist, communist Marxist, everything-ist. Um, that just never landed with voters. And that was a huge piece of Kelly Loeffler's strategy. And it was a gigantic piece of the problem with Kelly Loeffler's strategy is that it had no grounding in reality for voters. And so it just didn't land at all. Um, and in the meantime, Warnock was able to just brand himself for voters who didn't already know him with his puppy ads and his Christmas tree light ads. And people loved him. And he's still doing those ads. He's just put himself in an ad on a school bus full of kids who at the end give him a big cheer. And he's like, oh, thanks. You know, he's just like so likable in these ads. You can't help but really think what a nice man this is. Um, so Republicans are not trying to fight that. And I think that is really smart. And they are giving voters permission to say, I do like Raphael Warnock. I think he's a nice man. I just don't think he's a good senator. And I think that's much closer to swing voters' actual 
opinions, or that's much closer to swing voters, a place they could get them to be and layered on just with Joe Biden's policies, not even with Raphael Warnock's policy. So I think this is, it's a shorter distance to ask voters to travel. And I think it, uh, depending on the on the mood of the electorate, the national mood in November, um, could be very effective. And even Herschel Walker has said, look, I think that Raphael Warnock is a very good man, and I actually think he's going to vote for me. <laughs> so um, it's, uh, well, it seems to be catching on. Yeah, the uh, uh, Herschel Walker told me right after voting, he said something similar. He said, I think he's a great guy. He's a tremendous guy, but so am I, is what he said. Um, and look, when you talk about the governor's race, um, Stacey Abrams, Brian Kemp, of course, it's a little different because Stacey Abrams doesn't have the same positive vibes among Republicans, maybe, that, or at least among moderates, that Raphael Warnock does because Republicans have had years to beat up on her. Um, she's been a public figure longer than Raphael Warnock has, at least on a statewide level. And really, you know, she's the she's the candidate who Republicans made the common enemy, you know, with dog catchers, county commissioners, tax, you know, uh, tax collectors, anything, anyone running for a public office, uh, especially in rural parts of Georgia, they were running against Stacey Abrams often. It was it was tremendous to see. It was, you know, very bizarre to see back in 2019, back in 2020. I did some stories on this of, you know, folks running in Burke County. I mean, just folks running in rural Georgia who are running against Stacey Abrams. So when Brian Kemp is taking the strategy, he's running against Abrams, of course, but he's also tying Abrams just as well to the White House. So the Senate, we have a referendum on Joe Biden. In the governor's race, we have a referendum on Joe Biden and Stacey Abrams. She is trying to counter that with her own message. Um, Let's hear the latest ad that kind of talks about um, well, we're here. It talks about bipartisanship. I'm Stacey Abrams. Between running a small business and helping with homework, life gets pretty busy. But I always try to find time to cook for our family. It's about bringing the right ingredients together. Like I've brought Democrats, Republicans, and independents together to create good paying jobs by helping small businesses. Thank you. As governor, I'm going to lift up hardworking people and bring everyone to the table. So look, some ads are hard hitting. Others might be a little on the cheesier side. And we can say that because she's cooking a meal um, as she's, you know, you can see her kind of bringing out a piping hot bowl of something as she's, as she's um, cooking for her family, her, her two parents, her mom and dad and her niece um, who have temporarily moved in with them uh, in her house in Atlanta. Um, but this is part of, you know, Stacey Abrams on the campaign trail. She is very sharp elbowed. I mean, she is saying that Governor Kemp isn't fighting for for Georgians. He's fighting for re-election. Um, she is maligning um, all, a lot of the decisions he's made in terms of not refusing to expand Medicaid and signing in the gun rollback restrictions and other efforts. But her TV messaging is 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 not about Kemp, and really, it's it's more about her background in business. And back in the Georgia legislature, when she worked with the Republicans to pass some key legislation. Yes. And I find this ad a little confusing for that reason, because what we have grown to know of Stacey Abrams is that she is um, a ferocious fighter for voting rights. She is given um, about 98 percent of the credit for organizing this state and pushing a progressive message, not like a mush mouth, old time Democrat don't offend the conservative message that really used to be um, in fashion among statewide Democrats who were not winning very much. Stacey Abrams 
wrote her own playbook and it pushed progressive messages. And so um, for this ad to now be saying, and I'm, and I always do it with Democrats or Republicans and independents. And um, that is a kind of a bridge that we are having to travel over with her. And we're going to need a little more information about that. I know she's talking about her time in the state legislature. That is a little known chapter of her, um, of her history for most Georgia voters. They really know her as this champion of voting rights and progressive values. So um, I do think um, that it is uh, important for her to share more of her life. And she does do that on the campaign trail, talks about her family, um, looking for that common ground with voters who uh, very frequently are just, you know, they're just looking for a touchstone with a candidate. Oh, that is familiar. Oh, yes, I do that too. Uh, We all have families and single women on the campaign trail, I think, are asked to do way too much work to prove that they are members of families, even though they don't have their own husband or children. I have, that has always bothered me um, that that seems to be necessary um, because she very clearly has um, her parents she's taking care of, her niece she's taking care of. She's a member of that family. Um, and I, I think that this ad could work in that context to describe that. Um, but there's a lot, there's a lot going on in that ad, but I do think, um, sharing more of her family, um, and putting her parents on camera and putting her niece on camera. I've never seen that before. Um, and so I think that that is, is a place, uh, that voters are going to respond to. And if you look at the comments, you know, on her own, it, obviously it's mostly her supporters who are going to respond to her Twitter feed. Um, but they are, you know, very positive. And so I think that piece of it is, is important for voters to know more about. And look, Brian Kemp brings uh, his his daughters to a lot of campaign events. Sometimes all three of them are there. Um, at his uh, at his victory party a couple of days ago, his youngest daughter introduced introduced him. His his wife Marty is a constant presence. So, uh, you know, I think we'll see more of her parents and her niece and and other family members. Um, she has a she has a she has a large family and a huge extended family. And um, I've seen at a few um, recent events, recent campaign events. Um, she brought her parents and her niece there as well. Um, I also think this is this is emblematic of the resources she has. Uh, she burned through something like ninety percent of the cash she had on hand at the last quarter because she could, because she knows she'll raise a lot more money, and she also knows she'll have this you know unlimited funds from this uh, from the leadership pack that was signed into law to use as well. So we're going to definitely set all sorts of fundraising records, but. You know, this isn't a situation where a candidate only has a few ads to make or break their campaign. She can run an ad like this, and if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't matter because she'll have another ad so true. in two more weeks so and true. another in another two weeks. But you, if, you can yeah, contrast if you did that. like this one, just turn the channel. Exactly. But you can contrast that with some other candidates who like, you know, they're putting everything into one ad and it better work. And if not, it's over. Um Right now is time for our favorite segment of the week. It's the listener mailbag. And Patricia, you get to go first in this one. It's an easy one. Uh, this okay. is from Ori Epstein of Dunwoody. And it was, what was election night like? Ori, election night for me was, I love election nights, first of all. It's like Christmas in May in this town. I love it so much. So I was at uh, David Perdue's party and, you know, you knew it was a different kind of party because I walked in and it was tiny. The room was tiny. There were only two tables set up with chairs. And that was because there was not room for more than two tables with chairs. Oh, um, so you could kind of see that. So you you go to these parties and you just see a chapter in these people's lives playing out in front of your eyes. And this was the end, really, of David 
more more than likely David Perdue's political life, um, and it just happens in an instant. And so I I find those moments really. Um, really amazing to witness and be a part of. And then, of course, we came home and we're digging through all the results after that. And it's just, um, to me, there were so many surprises on election night that it, it, you know, it's like getting to the last page of 50 books. You're like, wow, <laughs> oh my gosh, you know, I can't believe I it. Know. And then we still have a few cliffhangers out there. And it's really hard, you know, in some sense, you're, I've been sitting here talking to these candidates, you know, and, and their operatives for months, you know, talking about this race. and you know, it all comes to this some sort of like crashing end all at once, right? Primaries even more so than general elections because there's so many more ca- candidates and campaigns out there. But it comes to this crashing halt, and I, I'm j- I'm just now remembering. Oh, I haven't, I've you know, this guy who I've talked to for every day of the last eight months. You know, I haven't even looped back in with him because his candidate lost, and it's not because I'm trying to insult him. It's just, you know, it's just been so busy. Um, and me and you, we we know we well. Me maybe more so than you because you wake up so early, but I pull late, late nights and um, <laughs> things going on, uh, and you know, and we're both juggling family stuff, so it's just all consuming. And yesterday, yesterday, Wednesday happened to be my birthday, and I'm just getting deluged with with well, really nice messages, but I'm also like I have to go through, <laughs> I have to go through all the election night aftermath and write about four or five follow up stories, which still keep us busy. But I was. Um, if you listen to the last podcast, I was at Governor Kemp's election night party and it was huge. I mean, it was not in some small room. It was in the College Football Hall of Fame. There was They had to set up extra risers for all the media, all sorts of reporters I will not see again until November, if if ever again, right? A lot of, a lot of parachutists coming in. And look, I've been a parachutist when I worked for a big national outlet. So I get it. I get how their job is hard in some sense and easier in others because they can just hop in and hop out. Um, but uh but very different environment entirely, right? And in this one, you know, the Georgia press corps um, barely made up a fraction of, you know, a small fraction of the group. And, and I've got to say earlier in the day, I went to a Stacey Abrams press conference and same thing. You know, there was four or five or maybe, maybe six Georgia reporters there, all kind of in one corner in a sense. And then there are tons of national outlets. Um, and, you know, usually I'll try to muscle in a question or two. I was like, you know what? I'll let the nationals ask their questions. I'm sure they're good because I'll see Stacy plenty more on the campaign trail. Um, Patricia, who's up and who's down? At the risk of this being very easy, <laughs> you get to go first. Well, I hate to be predictable, but Herschel Walker is way down. Um, now, he did uh, obviously win huge on Tuesday night, but he won fewer votes than Brian Kemp, who was under sustained assault by Donald Trump for an entire year and a half. Um, And uh, so we had fewer votes than Brian Kemp. And I just think his two answers on guns and gun control really open up a vein of deep anxiety for Republicans thinking, oh, my goodness, what else do we not know about the answers? What else does he not know about the answers um, to these questions that he should really be prepared for by now? Um, so I think he is down for now. Down for now, but of course not out. And my down is going to be the election liars, the election deniers. Um, you saw Jody Heiss go down in flames. Um, you saw David Perdue, of course, go down in flames. And again, I'm, I don't say flames lightly. <laughs> when you get about a quarter of the vote, you're going down in flames. It was kind of an inferno, actually. Yeah, maybe inferno. Maybe a destruction. Of, uh, a blaze of not-so-glory. Um, you know, and in others, um, you know, Patrick Witt, 
who no one had ever heard of um, before he decided to switch to the insurance commissioner. He was he was an also ran in the race for Congress, right? This wasn't some front runner who was leading in the race for Congress out in the 10th district. He was, he was you know, an afterthought um, to many of the candidates out there. I know this because I talk to their campaigns all the time. He was an afterthought. He drops out of that race, runs for insurance commissioner with Trump support, and remains an afterthought. Um, John Gordon, you know, gets obliterated by Chris Carr. I mean, not even close, not even close for these candidates. And, you know, for candidates like John Gordon, who's a wealthy guy who who came out of retirement to run for office, he'll probably never run again. But Patrick Witt's a younger guy. And, you know, I think he thought he had a political future and maybe he still does, but it's hard to come back from something like this where you basically, you drop out of one campaign and you you launch another one and just get stomped on. So those guys are my who's down. Patricia, who is up for you? My who's up is the Cobb County Commission because there were three cityhood movements in Cobb County. Uh, the Cobb Commission was uh, very much against those, said that it would really drain away resources from uh, the county itself. And all three of those cityhood movements, uh, Vinings, Lost Mountain, and East Cobb, were defeated quite resoundingly by voters. And I think by, uh, in some cases, a much larger uh, margin than expected. And so uh, Cobb County is who's up that can breathe a sigh of relief for now. My who's up is someone I would never have thought I would be saying this about. I would never thought I would be giving him a who's up a couple days after the primary. Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger wins that shocking outright yes. victory. We all thought he'd be in a runoff, right? I mean, there are some people who didn't think he would make it even close to a runoff a year ago, but around a week or two ago, we all thought he'd be in a runoff. But um, with a very outside shot at an outright victory. Well, he got that outright victory. Yes, Democratic crossover votes surely helped him. Yes, Jody Heiss's abysmal campaign strategy surely helped him. Heiss didn't raise any much money. He wasn't out there on the campaign trail. He was relying too much on Trump's endorsement, all that. Um, but Brad Raffensperger had to run a very shrewd campaign, and that's exactly what he did. He focused on Civic-minded organizations. He went to Rotary clubs. He 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 um, spent money, self-financed a bunch of uh, campaign ads that presented himself as as someone who who brought integrity to the elections and countered all the uh, election fraud lies. Um, he picked a fight with Donald Trump. He wasn't afraid to say that Trump was the author of his own defeat, but he also didn't try to antagonize him any further. And so he going into now a November matchup against either Bean Wynn or D. Dawkins Hagler. Brad Raffensperger is my who's up for the week. Well, you can count on new episodes of this podcast to come out every Wednesday, Friday, or as you well know, whenever news breaks. So we will see you then on Political Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. 
So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologeticallyATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh, 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 oh